1: The DFS free game show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka at Blender, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, and uh, we'll go over some uh, some NBA NBA stuff from last night. Right, we got eleven game slate last night. There was all the, all that all that news before lock. What did you do? How did you capitalize it? How did you capitalize it, and then get screwed by by capitalizing on it anyway? We'll we'll find out, and then maybe we'll take a look at uh, the three game. There's a three game slate. How do you approach shorter slates, smaller slates in NBA? Uh, Lineup HQ, we have a new feature that may that may help you help you build lineups a little bit better for the smaller slates. So we'll go over that and, uh, and answer your, your DFS strategy questions. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. As always, Josh Duck, Suki Singh, Doug Montgomery, Eric Robinson, Card Fan, Stephen Smith. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hit those dummy thumbs on your way in the door. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, let's see. Eric Robertson says uh, started focusing on GPP only a week ago and got my first four digit, four first figure digit. I guess digits fine. Win last night, in second in the $12 single entry NBA contest. Thanks for all the help the channel provides. Oh, okay. If this was if this was DraftKings, we could we could even we could take a look at that. Let's let's see if we could find it. So I'm, assume, I'm assuming $12, that's a that's a DK contest, right? The FanDuel doesn't do like $12, right? So single entry, single entry uh, $12 contest. So like, that's what we're looking for. So pick and roll, the pick and roll, the pick and roll. I believe. Okay, here, Eric Robbins. Okay, so Eric, nine, one, two, nine. Here we go, uh, D'Angelo Russell low on play, right? Dinwiddie, okay, Dinwiddie, hero, Gordon Tucker. Playing Porzingis instead of uh, Evan Mobley, who, I don't know, Evan Mobley shot like 0, 0 for 11 or something. I mean, like, he, he was awful yesterday, uh, even with Jared Allen out. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, who, I mean, he, I guess he got there for 3,200, uh, but he wasn't necessary. Once Bam, Bam and Butler were ruled out. Cole Anthony got a ton, 12% owned. DeRozan, 13% owned. I mean, you could have got. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you if you if you would have done a construction with a little bit differently, not taking Russell here. I mean, he did. He fine. I mean, he's fine raw points wise, but not as much as some other players. Maybe you would have gotten first, but still twelve fifty. That's pretty good. In the first place, right? If you played like Lonzo Ball instead, right? If you played Lonzo Ball there, right? I mean, this type of construction. Deadman wasn't in the winning lineup in the largest field. GPP, but this is this is twenty four, two thousand four hundred fifty one entries. So you, you don't have to you don't have to the nuts nuts, right? If we take a look at the the fade away, the top score was three eighty one, right? The winning score was three seventy four here. So like Eric's score of three sixty five would have would have gotten him three sixty five would have, I mean three hundred bucks about forty seventh place, right? But this is a three thirty one thousand entry contest. Now when you when you play when you play smaller field i mean it's not small small field but mid-sized field like you don't, you don't you don't need the nuts right? you could win especially when the ownership is going to be more condensed like let's take a look at that let, 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 uh, we'll play we'll play this by by just by year so look at the difference between that contest so we're going to go by we're going to tr- compare the ownership of the pick and roll to the to the fadeaway, okay so we could do that in results db this is free the results db is a free tool i don't know why more people don't use it okay go to rotogrinders.com slash results db so you could look at lineups players lineups exposures ownership anything okay so the 25k pick and roll single entry versus the fadeaway, right so you can see the, the ownership differences the ownership condenses more so you can see here horton tucker Way more owned in the single entry, Hero, deadman about the same, Jokic is extremely more owned in in the pick and roll, Mobley more owned, Dinwiddie more owned, than guys that were less owned were like Rubio by a little, DeRozan by a little. Just scrolling down, just looking through, you know that's why the greens and the yellows are here, so you can see the differences. But it means it means that you're 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 comparing the leverage of your lineup to these numbers, not the large field numbers. So if we take a take a look at uh, like Mobley, at doing badly at forty six percent, don is much better for you than him doing badly at thirty five percent. Not playing him like Jokic, yeah. I mean Jokic. The other reason why Jokic wasn't in the winning lineup is because he was so expensive. That sixty nine points. There were enough players. At like seven k, six seven k, that put up like fifty, that you, you didn't need Jokic, right? If we take a look here, I mean even even at the large field contest, this is the large field contest. Where's the first Jokic? Okay, oh, it's second place. Okay, there you go, right? But it's a deadman lineup, right? You have to find find value uh, value. I mean, Tht was easy. Cade Cunningham actually came in much less owned uh, once the the Butler news came in. If you could see. In the in the ownership right here, like just from uh, exposures that some sharp players had, like once a hero became like you, you had to play hero, right? Deadman, we I mean, didn't do that well, but I mean thirty two hundred, he he got there, but not not to the extent in which you wanted to, to get there. But like all these point guards, shooting guards, like Dinwiddie, right? Once you plug in Dinwiddie and Hero and Rubio. Caruso and then you have Herder who got hurt and Hero and Duncan Robinson possibly I mean like Kate Cunningham is, comes in at 12% on at 5,500 he puts up 51 points Cole Anthony put up 53 points like any if, if I mean I said it on the on the on crunch time on crunch time on Grinders Live last last night I would look to get away from the chalkier point guard ish options and try to find something less. The difference between Dinwiddie at 27% owned and Cade Cunningham or Cole Anthony at 12% owned, like it shouldn't be that dramatic. Or like Caruso, like, do you want to play a 20% owned Caruso? No, 20% owned Herder. I thought Herder would be lower owned. But everything changed. Once, Once you were able to get a cheap center in, and you're already playing Tht like it now now nah, nah, Jokic gets more popular in the utility spot. But everything kind of condenses around one type of of uh, lineup build, but we can see here in the in the in the in the twenty dollar in the the single entry contest. Like yeah, that build worked for this, but like Eric's build, much more balanced. Other than than Russell, if he would have had Cole Anthony there, oh, he already had Cole Anthony. 40, he could have spent 40, 7,300. I don't know. Who could have gotten at 7,300? You already have Prazingas in there. I don't know. Seems, seems out of place, but whatever. Second place. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, can't, can't complain about second place. 1250. Uh, let's see. Uh, go through the YouTube chat. Uh, Michael Dompey says, quick plus for RG, the NBA Stacks functionality seems to be a vast time saver if you MMA, worth the monthly price. Yes. I'll show off that Stacks feature for for today's slide. Right? This will be a short show. But unless you're going to ask questions in YouTube chat, whatever, I mean, how how long could this show be? Right? What, What else can we go over? So really, it's guided by you. Sometimes there's a lot of chat. Sometimes I answer a lot of questions. Sometimes I don't maybe it's a half an hour long and that's it like on today's slate the reason why i wanted to show off the stacks functionality in, in nba or new stacks functionality in the line of hq because it's more useful on shorter slates you're unlikely to really be game stacking on 11 game slates. you're unlikely and it, now if you wanted to do like one one type of things if you play one guy like if you if it if, if you play Gobert, you got to play a Philadelphia player on the other side, like that type of thing. You could ac- accomplish that with groups, but it just, you have to build so many groups in order to accomplish that, that having a stacks feature where you just like, I want to make sure that, you know, whenever I have a, a center from Utah, right? Or if I go here, Utah center, that I have, uh, you know, at least two guys from the other side of the game. Right, and I want that in 25% of my life or something, you know, something like that, so much easier to do it this way than do it with try to do it with groups, especially if you're going to do it with multiple people. If Giannis is in the lineup, make sure to have two guys on the other side, you know, like that type of thing. So you don't have to add all the players, you have to set all the conditionals and then keep track of all the groups. Much more beneficial, much more easier to do it this way. So you're not really used, like, it, it, to me, the stack feature is not like a global functionality. Not something that's like, oh, this is where I start my have my, my lineup building, like you would an MLB. And MLB, a lot of times, I'm just using the stacks page. I'm like, I want 12% of that. I want uh, 15% of that and these things and running, right? I, I want teams. I don't care that, you know, if it's one, three, four, seven, eight, I'm fine. I don't care as long as it's five batters. Don't care, right? So I'm primarily dealing with the stacks interface. So I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've said this before. The NBA stacks interface is not like, it's not like a must thing to use at all. It's, if if, if it, this helps you accomplish something that groups would, this is faster. So that, that's the type of thing we could do like on tonight's sleep. when you have three games. Okay. And also we don't have like, as of right now, obviously we don't know the news and this is the algorithmically uh, generated projections. Like no one's a good play to know. Like, 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 there's there's no one that stands like you got to play this guy. Like, we have right now Gobert at 47 and the Durant at 50, 42 percent. Though, I mean, yeah, you have to have a raw point somewhere, but like, we take a look at this salary adjusted plus minus value. Like, what's the difference between like here and there? Like, no, like everything, every, 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 who cares? You're not, you're not sacrificing that many points. There's no one that stands out that you know if you if you don't have him in the lineup you you drop your your lineup drops by a significant amount and we could tell by like if we if we generated 100 lineups let's do 100 for a build rules make sure 49000 one unique whatever this looks good so if we wanted to generate the 100 the, the, the top 100 optimals, right what would we do I'm assuming we're gonna get a lot of Gobert and Durant. We're gonna get a lot of George and Reggie. We're gonna get some of the top guys, but I don't. I don't expect. I don't expect like you know. It's like oh, this guy is in like 100% of. Maybe Gobert. Maybe Gobert only because of positional scarcity. Because I'm looking down at the tops over here. It's like we got Draymond at center eligible, Zubac. You got DeAndre Benvry in a ton of lengths, I guess. Right? Benbury, Durant, Gobert. But only Gobert. I mean, look, Gobert was the highest RGB, you know, guy with the highest salary adjusted plus minus. He still only shows up in 57% of the top, you know, 100 optimals. Right? So you can see here, it's like, well, in the case that, you know, the top 100 has this many players in it. Like, you, you don't mind sacrificing, you know, you don't have to sacrifice that much projection to get an ownership discount, right? We go If we go by here, these are just the top. These are just based on our current, obviously our current numbers. So if we get rid of the lineups in between, okay, what I'm going to do is take the top 100, but get rid of all the lineups that are in between that are lower projected, but higher owned based on our current numbers, obviously. So you see here, 252.99 is the top. But 249.5 total ownership. So any lineup that's underneath it, you're, you're losing projection. So you should also be losing ownership. If you're not losing ownership, you're sacrificing projection for no reason. So this lineup down here, the second lineup is 252.9. So you're, you're, it's 0.09 less, but it's actually like 13 percentage points higher in ownership. So we're going to get rid of it, Right. So, we're just going to get rid of the lineups that, like, we're at 249. And this is all sorted by fantasy points. So, like, anything below it has to be lower than 249.5, right? We're just going to start, we're just going to get rid of the lines. Okay, it's 249.2. Okay, so that's lower. So, we're going to get rid of the lineups that are anything 244.1. Okay, so we're getting a lower 244.1, getting rid of the lineups in between. You'll see why we're doing this. We're trying to see where the drop is. 244.1. 240. Okay, let's keep on going. Yeah, got to beat 244. Can we beat 244? Okay, 242.1. Okay, let's go. Keep on going. 242.1. 241. Okay, now we got 241 lineup. Two, another 241 lineup, but it's you have to beat it. 256 to be 241 238.8 now we got to be 238 we go through all these here's a 234 234 let's see don't wanna go too fast cuz i may get rid of one that's actually lower 234 234 we may we may have hit it we may we may have struck gold we may have hit it people 234, let's see. Okay, now we got a 230.6, okay. Let's see if we could beat 230.6. And this is only in the top 100. Obviously, if you did a thousand of these, you'd probably find ones that are even lower as we keep on going down in projection. 230.6. And you beat 230. Coming to we're coming to the end, coming to the end of the line. Two oh one, okay. Oh, that's a that's a pretty big drop. But then here you go. Okay, so the bottom lineup at two oh one is two hundred and forty six. That's the projection. The top one is two fifty two, almost two fifty three. So the difference in the top hundred optimals, when factoring in ownership, the lower ownership, is anywhere from two fifty two to 246 so we're tied 250 253 to 246 so it was a seven points of projection difference so in order to eliminate like 50 percentage points of ownership you have to sacrifice like seven points of projection now who shows up in these nine lineups so who makes up the lineups that are higher are are higher projected and lower owned well obviously i mean obviously the best projected players right Durant, Gobert, Connolly. But who doesn't? So if we take a look and see, like, James Harden comes out much less than Kevin Durant. Tobias Harris, Draymond Green. I mean, just look at two of them. Reggie Jackson, the Clippers, not as much. Because so I'm trying to, like, compare it to ownership. Like, if we take a look at our current ownership, I'm assuming it's correct. Like, who's going to be, like, Terrence Mann here, for instance. Terrence Mann is going to be 34% owned. Like, where does he show up in our lineups? In our nine lineups like this, does he show up at all? He doesn't show up in our lineups that, when we removed all of that, that gives gives a signal that he's over-owned for his projection. We're not getting him at all. Right. So that's what you're looking at. You're looking at what the project, what the percentage owns, and how much you're getting out of the line lineups as we as we eliminate the ones that we wouldn't be playing. So that gives you a signal on who you'd play less of and who you play more of versus their versus their ownership. Now taking a look at these line lineups that that you're playing, that you're not necessarily playing, but you're that is is in contention. Obviously, this top lineup is like a cash line. Okay. So in the top 100 lineups, you're going to be sacrificing anywhere from no points, that's the top lineup, to seven points, okay? So here, here's a cash line. So I would, so this is something that you would play in doubles. The lineup just underneath it, like maybe the couple lineups just underneath it, are more like single entry type of lineups, right? Smaller field type of lineups, because they're still high owned, but they're, they're a little bit less owned for the projection right? And then towards the bottom, once you get to like this over here, these would be the larger field lineups. So if you wanted to build more of these types of lineups, you'd look at the ownership, you'd look at the projection, you go, okay, I'm going to cap the ownership, the ownership at like 205 or something, and then build lineups like this, knowing that, that when you give up 50 points of ownership, you're going to sacrifice another like seven points in projection. That's why your, your aim for maybe you don't have to sacrifice that much. So if you're gonna build large field lineups, you kind of, you could, this is a blunt way of doing this. You'd go, you'd go to the build rules. You go, I, my max total lineup ownership is 202, right? That lineup. And you'd build from there and you go, okay, I know I'm sacrificing seven points of projection to build these lineups, And then you build as many, many lineups that are high projected at that range that you can, right? But let's say you're building the smaller field stuff maybe you don't mind the the, the other lineups right so we're looking at you know in, in this range the 230 you know, 240 range but remember we created the top 100 optimals right so this lineup down here that's at 246 201 ownership is is like look, 97 is in the top 100 right so you could be you can play it in single entry so like we got rid of lineups that were like slightly too high owned for their projection so if you're playing like single entry and three max like these would be the lineups that i put i mean these would be the lineups. i would take three of these lineups. then if i'm building large field stuff i'd start at the bottom and then start building out from there and if you're playing cash games or something you'd play the top one or the top what's one or two or something you know some of the top ones This is is the way to build lineups without like, what do I have to know about basketball? I don't don't have to know anything about basketball. I trust the numbers. I trust the projections. There you go. Fill your lineups out. Now, if you want to apply some, you know, strategy, for instance, I mean, we're getting, I mean, obviously in a three-game slate, the most beneficial situation on a three-game slate is for you to play the one game that doesn't blow out, right? You want two games to blow out and one game to go to overtime, right? That would be that, the highlight situation. We see here that you're you are jamming in a lot of people from you know, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't help it. Look, this lineup has six Nets in it, six Nets and two Jazz, which I don't even can you even do. I'm not even sure. I think you have to play three teams or something. I don't even know if you could play that long. So maybe if you if you do play like six Nets, you want to play guys from the other side of the game. You want to play Warriors in those lines. So that's where the stacks feature comes in. So let's say if you if we're gonna play, let's take a look at what, what's showing up. Okay. So we get a lot of nets, jazz. We're getting nets and jazz and some clippers. Nets, jazz. Who are the clippers playing? Playing San Antonio. Got Derek White there, I guess. So maybe what we want to do is that if we're playing four guys from a team, maybe you do something like this. Maybe maybe like, you like you want to do four, two. And you don't care which side, just like whatever. We're like four guys from one side of the game and two guys from the other side of the game. And let's see if that works. Right, now now build 100 lines. Let's see what let's see what shows up we should get nets we should get nets warriors we should get jordan pool in there we should get i mean something let's see probably some of the lineups that we already saw right take a look at this lineup right they're getting mills bembry griffin durant with graymond green and jordan pool and then you still get you know the two extra guys Right. So here we go. Four nets, two warriors. Four clippers, two uh two Spurs. And you still get two two jazz players. Here's four nets with James Harden. Right? So you can make these types of line. I mean, you can. You could experiment with this. Try to game stack, maybe an even higher type of game stack. Maybe you want, uh, you know, he obviously can't, can't play the full one, so like four and three. Four from one team, three in the other, and then just one extra player for one of the other games. Or you do something like that. Take a look at what those lineups look like. So much easier to do it this way than try to build it with groups. So I've done this with groups. It's a pain in the ass. This is so much easier. And maybe you don't, this is, I mean, I'm just showing you this with like, all the teams checked and hundred percent of my lines, right? So we take a look here. Here's the Clippers, Clippers, Spurs, 4-3, right? And you can see the projection, 248 at 222, right? But in this stacks, I mean, like you don't have to stick to one. Like, let's say I want to add another one and add another one, right? Maybe I want 4-3. I want some 4-3. I want some 4-2, I want some some three three, right? You could you could you could do that, and then set a percentage. So it's like I want I want uh, I want thirty percent of these, I want forty percent of those, and thirty percent of these, right? And then there you go. Now you can build them. And if you only want certain teams, then just uncheck the ones that you don't want, right? And maybe when you can, like if we were leaving this alone. Like if we, if we had, because obviously these four threes only have one, one player left in it. So let's say we do four, two, four, two, four, one, and then three, three or whatever, whatever you want to do like this. You could even add a second one and go, I want, I make sure the other two players in my lineup are against each other or at the same team, right? You could do two, zero, right? We could do those type of lineups or you could just do one, one. And you go, I want 100% of my lineups like that. 1-1. One, one. So this, this, it will create four, two lineups. And then the other two spots will be two guys opposite sides of the game. So you won't get Donovan Mitchell and, Ro- and Rudy Gobert together. You'll get, you know, a Philadelphia play on the other side. Right? You could do something like this. So let's say, let's say we delete this. Because so it leaves, because these four, two, and three, three leave, you know, obviously two spots remaining in your lineups. So maybe you want 50% of these. Fifty percent of those, and one hundred percent of this, and then let's see what happens. <laughs> Obviously, projection will start coming down because it's forcing in these types of little little correlation things. But if you need to, if you wanted to do something like this in your lineups, this this interface gives you it's so much, so much easier than trying to do it with groups. Some of the stuff you can't even accomplish with groups, like these second game stacks. and Because then you have to do like every player. If Gobert's in the lineup, then as has one of these 10 players. If, if Mitchell's in the lineup, you need one of these Philly players. If, this, if Conley's in the lineup, you're, you're going to end up with like 30 groups on a three-game slate just to cover all of those combinations. Here, it's just like ding, ding, they're done. Bing, bong, bing, you're done. So Let's see what these lineups look like. Then you do this and you take a look and you see what projects high, low owned, you know, you do the same thing that like we did before when we got to those nine lines and you could save the ones that you want and get rid of the ones that you don't want. Right. So we're getting a lot of firkin cork miles, obviously, because we're forcing in, you know, a, a Philadelphia player with a jazz player, Right. So the top lineup here is 252, 244% owned. Right. So you're getting, you know, we're getting the, Brown, Durant, Bembry Mills, four Nets, two Warriors, and then Gobert and Harris across from each other. Right, Here's Quarkmas and Go, uh, Gobert across from each other, and a game stack of this uh, the Clippers-Spurs game. Right, two fifty. Right, it doesn't have look. Look, look at look at the dramatic difference between these two lines. I mean, it's, it's 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 I think a seven v seven. I mean it's yeah, it's a it's a, it is a 7v7, but the differences in ownership and and, and projection are not, are not that dramatic. Right? It's a little bit less owned and about a point less less projected. So like both these lineups are good, even though they only share one player. They only share Rudy Gobert in this line, right? There's no other player, right? It's just Rudy Gobert and a game stack of the other game. Right? Here's another game stack of the other game. Right, here's a game stack than the other game, so it's, it, right, so I mean, that's why these lineups are not different from each other from a projection standpoint. But they may be better constructed than your, than your opponents, who may be trying to pick and choose and whatever, right? You kind of look, you look at a lineup like this, and you're like, I want the Nets-Warriors game to go off, and I want the Spurs-Clippers game to be a duck. And then you look at this lineup, and you think the complete opposite. Like, I want the Nets, I want the Nets Warriors game to be the dud, and I want the Spurs Clippers game to be the one that goes nuts, right? And then we got to have some, there's probably a Jazz one. Yeah, here's a Jazz, he's Jazz, Philadelphia. One, two, three, four, two Philadelphia players. And then we get Bembry and Green against each other. So now you're, you're hoping for that game to go off, right? So you take a look, and you can see all these lines, 248, I mean, the, especially especially on a slate where, like, there's no like obscene value or anything, right? Everyone is kind of just like meh, right? Nothing stands out that you could build so many different types of lineups. You shouldn't be sticking with the, the you know, that, oh, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a, a higher own this guy because he's like half a point higher projected. And and you're going to get 20 points more ownership. Like, there's no need for it. There's so many more combinations you could play on these types of slates. 11 game slate where there's like, Four or five guys that, like, if you don't have them in your lineup, you sacrifice like six to eight points of projection. Like, yeah, you could fade one in a lineup, but you can't fade all of them. So it, it, the game becomes a little less complex. Even though it's an 11 game slate, it's like it feels like half your lineup is already filled out for you. These are the slates where, as if it stands the way it does now, where if anyone says Durant is a must play, they're, they're not, no one's a no one does no must plays at all on the slate. There's nothing. There's no one that stands out. There's no one that should be 50% off. It doesn't, doesn't make sense for them to be. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, let's see. Tim come 14. I'm seeing a few takedowns with a ton of one-offs. Are we talking about NBA or NFL. Would you say that stacking is minus EV or just one stack of two two? I oh, was still talking about NBA and the rest of one offs are optimal or based on slate. Like stacking, stack NBA. There's no such thing as stacking an NBA on an eleven game slate. You, but what are you stacking for? There's, the correlation of players on a team is not. It's not. It's not high. It's not like NFL. It's not like MLB. Normally, the, the optimal lineup is going to be all one offs. On an eleven-game slate, I don't, I'm not even considering any of this. An eleven-game slate, I don't, I don't care at all. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. This for more for smaller slates. Also, it depends on the projections of the players. That's the main thing. What are the projections of the players? There are two guys. There are there are four guys in this game, two on one side and two on the other side that project eight hundred points higher than everyone else. Well, should you play them together? Well, yeah, because they're the best project. They they just happen to be in the same game. So why wouldn't I want to play them together? Of course. That makes more of a difference than anything else. You look at yesterday's Slade and you go, oh, there's a lot of of heat that project well. So I'm more likely, like in those lineups, to play one, one guy from the other side of the game if I had a choice between multiple guys that all have similar projections but it all comes down to the fact that like multiple players on a same the same team with the same game all project well so doesn't it make more sense to just play them all together you could do that oh let's see Uh, Michael Dompier says, stacking logic question might be stupid. If you say anyone versus anyone, that has to be a floor, not a limiter of one. No, no, it's, it's exact. If you use, if you use the stack section, that means exactly. It's not two or more. It's f- four exactly, two exactly, three exactly. But if you just have, I, I personally don't care about the guard, guard forward center, but there could be cases where people want to do that. like for specifically for like if you want to go for specifically utah gobert lineups right you wanted to do something like okay then then i understand why there's a guard forward center If, if if anyone wanted to do something more granular that didn't want to use a group it's it's possible personally i think you'd rather just use the group for that if gobert's in the lineup make sure to use you know one of these three players like i think it's more if you're going to do it that granularly, you might as well just make the group. For it. But we left in the guard forward center because maybe some, maybe some, if I'm playing a guard from one side, I want to play a forward from the other side. I don't think it matters. It shouldn't. But maybe some, may maybe people, maybe people want to do that. So why not give them the, give give them the option? uh MJC, correlation exists in NBA when games are high scores and fast paced, taking a few pieces from each side. No, you're correct, but it's just not strong. The problem, it's just, it's not strong enough. Whenever you're, you're, whenever you're adding correlation, okay? This is, this is where people go wrong, okay? This is very important. Very, 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 very important. You can, whatever you're doing right now, put it down. Put it, whatever you're doing down okay? Right? If you're driving, pull to the side of the road. It's that important. It's that important, okay? I've said this about maybe, I don't know, probably 4,000 times, but it's this important because apparently I have to repeat myself 4,000 times for the same people to understand the same exact concepts. There are three levers in DFS, projection, correlation, and leverage, okay? So these levers work, as you pull one down, one goes up, right? It's not just, you can't just pull them all up. I just want, I want the highest projected lineup that has eight guys all in the same game that are 1% owned. Like you're not gonna, that doesn't exist in DFS, right? You're not gonna find that. You're not gonna, on this slate, you're not gonna, I'm gonna stack one game and I'm gonna be literally the only guy, the only person in the entire field that has any of those players. Like literally, like they're they're one, per, they're less than one, like you, you're not gonna find that. So anytime, that you raise your projection, you're obviously limiting other things. Every time you're raising correlation, you're lowering your projection. Every time you're raising your leverage, you're lowering your projection. You're lowering your correlation. So it's not a matter of well, yes, I'm going to play like on. on I'm going to play four guys from the same game, two on one side and two on the other side, or one on one side, one on the other side. Is there a correlation there? Yes, it's very it's very weak. Right? It's not like correlations in baseball. It's not like correlations in even NFL. It's not like correlations even in soccer. It's very weak. It adds something, right? So the two players combined, when you add them together, one guy from one side of the game, let's say Gobert and Tobias Harris, right? One's on Utah, one's in on Philadelphia. If the game is fast and goes over and stays close, so they have maximum minutes, there's a correlation there. That's correct, but how much does that add to the combined score of both players? 3%? I mean, what are we talking about? 5%? 5 I don't even think that much. So if their projection is 40, right? So 40 for Taris and 40 for Gobert, that's 80 points total. And you tell me that that correlation is worth 5%, which I would think is too high, is worth 5%. So what's 5% of 80? It's four points, okay? So by playing them together, you gain a, an extra four points of ceiling. If it's 5%, but it's probably not 5%. It's probably more like two to 3%. So let's get 2%. What's 2% of 80? About what? One and a half, two points? 1.6? So that's what you're gaining. When you play Gobert and Harris together, you gain two points of, of ceiling. Okay is it worth playing Harris and Gobert lineups versus Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell, I mean, assuming that positions or whatever, similar price, right? I mean, like 8,600 versus 8,500, but Donovan Mitchell projects for uh, a half a point higher. So if you had the choice in the last piece of your lineup for whatever, and you had Gobert, and you could put in either Mitchell or Harris, who would you put in? Probably Harris. Why? The correlate, both sides of the game correlation makes up for the half a point difference in projection. So you're like, okay, I don't mind doing that. But let's say, let's say for instance, that Donovan Mitchell was projected for 56 points. I'm using a very extreme example, just so you get it. And you go, but I, I want to play both sides of a game. So I'm just going to play Gobert and, and, and Harris. Well, why not play Mitchell for the, I mean, Mitchell projects for 15 more points than it. So who cares about the correlation? You're not making making up the difference in projection by the very weak correlation there. Anytime you're doing anything other than, than raising the projection of your lineup, you're doing it as a sacrifice. You're sacrificing projection for something else. And your goal, is, to, is that sacrifice worth it? So if you're going to go into a slate and go, I'm always going to play two guys from one side of a game and two guys from the other side of the game, you're doing it wrong. Why? Okay, well, these 2 I'm going to play these two guys and these two guys. Like last night, just, like, you just pick two random people. Like you're, sac, you're, you're probably sacrificing projection when well, you don't even need to. You're not gaining that much from doing that. That's why I said, if the, yeah, if these two players on each side of the game are projected well, also, then why not play them together? Yes, that then it makes the sense. But I'm not going to play four poorly projected players together just for the sake of that correlation. You're just not going to make up enough. In, yes, I'm not. I'm not going to sacrifice 20 points of projection for the sake of that weak correlation that I'm going to gain four or five points of ceiling from. So that that's the thing. That's the, the, when people are asking question, do you do this? Oh, in football, how about the run back? Do you, do, should you run it back in, in NFL? Well, it depends on the projection of the run back. It, it, it depends. There's a correlation there. It's not the strongest of correlations, stronger than the correlation in, in basketball. You know, when you play, you know, quarterback, two pass catchers and the guy from the other side of the game. Well, what's the projection the other side of the game? I mean, if that guy projects well, then the opportunity Cost if you if you had a choice between two guys like what with the Bills game, I think Corey Davis was like forty nine hundred. Okay, so in that spot in your lineup, you have a forty nine hundred dollars spot. You could play Jacoby Myers there at forty eight hundred, or you can play Corey Davis at forty nine hundred. Who's you already have the Josh Allen stack in your lineup. Which one should you do? Well, there is no answer until I tell you what the projections of the two players. are. If Corey Davis projects for 12 and Jacoby Myers projects for 12, they're the same projection, then you're not sacrificing anything by adding the correlation, right? So why not do it? That's where you put Corey Davis. If Corey Davis projects even better than Myers, then it makes even more sense, right? Because why why am I going to lose projection and not have a correlated piece? But let's say Jacoby Myers projects for 14 and Corey Davis projects for 12. So, if you were gonna, if you were maximizing your projection, you'd be putting in Myers in that one and have no run back, right? You'd have no run back in that one. Or is the two points worth putting Corey Davis in? You're dropping your projection two points to add the correlated piece. Is the two points worth that correlation? I don't know. It'd probably be close, but let's say it wasn't that close. Let's say Jacoby Myers was projected for 15 and Corey Davis was projected for eight. Is that correlation worth seven points? Probably not. So you wouldn't have the run back there. So that's why there's no answer to the question. Do you run it back? Do you don't run it back? Do you double stack? Do you single stack? Like it all depends on the projections of the players and the opportunity cost of using a player that correlates for that small correlation boost versus the projection of the player. And you do the same in any sport, just like in basketball, just like in in MLB, anything. Some stacks in MLB don't aren't good because one player in the stack projects well and a lot of them don't. So you can be sacrificing a lot of projections by playing five of them in one lineup, even though, yes, you're right. They are all correlated to one another. But is it worth playing a lineup with a five-man stack of expensive, poorly projected guys that puts your, the projection of your whole lineup down like 15 points for the sake of having five guys from that team? Maybe not.
0: Yeah, but all five guys
1: are correlated. Yes, you're right. But is it worth the 50, Is it worth the projection sacrifice? That's always the question. That's always the question. And without knowing the projections, you have that you can't figure that out. If 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 you play uh if you play uh you know the stacks if you play uh the Cowboys on Sunday did, did you play did you play a, a Atlanta player? with it? Should you have played? Like obviously they got blown out. It's like, well, I shouldn't have played Pitts or I shouldn't have played Cordell Patterson. Like these Pitts projected well. Cordell Patterson projected, projected decently enough. If you didn't play, if you didn't play Pitts in your tight end spot and you played Hawkinson, like that didn't make any sense. It's not like Pitts projected poorly. So the Falcons run back like that, like that was your the opportunity wasn't. I mean, you were playing a good projected player anyway. Just happened to be the other side of the game. But if you're playing, if you're playing uh, uh, you know the Josh Allen stack and you're playing Dawson Knox in it or something, you're like, should I play Dawson Knox or should I play Cole Beasley and play someone else in the tight end, play play someone else in the tight end spot? Well, Dawson Knox projected poorly. So by playing jo- Dawson Knox in that stack, you're gonna be you're gaining correlation, but you're giving up projection, which may be fine if you could make up the projection in the rest of your line. Uh, go through the YouTube chat before we get out of here.
0: And
1: yes, I, I agree with Jacob. In NBA, you're more you're I'm more likely to be eliminating negative correlation than forcing in positive correlation. That's correct. And typically, you don't like typically you don't want two expensive guys. Not a big fan of playing you know LeBron and AD together, like two expensive guys on a team. Kawhi and Paul George. That need like super ceilings? Typically. Now, on smaller slates, it may be fine because there's only so many players to choose from. Right. Eric Roberts says he's eliminating negative correlation is what I do the most. Yesterday, for example, I didn't want Levine and DeRozan together because I think it's unlikely they both reach GPP winning scores at their salary. And the key part of that sentence is at their salary. If Levine was eighty three hundred and DeRozan was three thousand, then yeah, then you could obviously play them play them together. So it's can they re- can they both reach ceiling super ceiling, GPP large field winning ceiling scores together, at their prices? What do you need for eight thousand? You need fifty plus. Do you think they both could get fifty plus often enough that you could play them together at eight K plus? Now, obviously, if one of them was 3,000, how how much, how many points do you need out of a 3K player? 25, 30, maybe? Yeah, DeRozan has a median projection of 40. So, yeah, yeah, if he was mint price, you could play them together. Mm Let's go through. I can find anything else before I get out of here? Du, 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 du. People are talking amongst themselves. They're answering their own questions. That's fine. I don't care. Oh. Yeah, they're answering their own questions. I have no idea. Jack Mitchell asks How do you get over FOMO when Xing out a high value or high projected player? Just not in just not in basketball, but in general. Well, here's the thing. you shouldn't be xing out anyone. Jack, you're not playing players, you're playing lineups. So I'm gonna play if I'm gonna play ten lineups tonight, I'm gonna play the ten best lineups that I can. If it just so happens that it doesn't include one player that's xed out, then then so be it. How do you get over the fear of missing out by playing enough? Your goal is to win every night. Your goal is to win like once or twice a year. Okay, once you get that, once you understand that, once you understand you're going to lose in GPPs, your goal is to lose 90% of the time. I go in knowing that most likely on an NBA season, I'm going to play 150 slates or whatever. I'm probably going to lose 140. Lose money and not all of my money, right? But just lose money. Then 10 of those slates, I'm going to make money on. And hopefully out of the 10, two of them are like for a lot of money. And there you go. That's your whole season. So once you think in those terms, like who cares about fear, myth, what? Oh, I didn't play this guy and he went off. Oh, well, tomorrow's another slate. Like you act like, would at his ownership at the, in these lineups, Did would I've changed? Would I've made any other decision? No. Okay. Then what do I care? As long as I keep on making those decisions every day. Right. If you take a look at the ownership and everything afterwards and you were off on stuff, it's like, had I known. That guy was only like, I think Cade Cunningham yesterday before a lot of the news was projected for like 30% ownership. And at that point, I was like, well, maybe you don't play him at 30% ownership. But when, when you see it's 12% though, and after all the news, it's like, damn, I should have had more, right? That Those are the things you should be concerned about. Not, not FOMO, not even what the results of the, the, the slate are. Now that I have all the information, and I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about the results of the games. Now that you have all the information ownership wise would you have done anything differently? And most of the time, the answer is yes. Most of the time, there are little things that you would have, eh, maybe I would have done this more or that more. Maybe I would have played this game more, something like that. But you're looking for major things of like, damn, I got that completely wrong. Right? I thought, he, I thought Hero was going to be sneaky because the news came out late and he ends up being 52% done and you jammed him into every lineup. And Hero did great. But you may look at that and you go, well, I jammed him into all 20 of my lineups. Had I known he was gonna be 52% owned, maybe he would have only made 12 out of my 20. Something like that. Just something as simple as that. Like I, I, I thought he would be 30% owned, he ended up being 50. And at 30, he was a jam. And at fifty, he was a good play, but not have to, not necessarily had to be in every lineup. And you go, okay, it didn't matter that he did well. So you shouldn't be thinking of, oh, here did well. Good thing I jammed him into all my lines. You shouldn't be thinking that. You should go, oh, based on what we know now, on how the field, how the market was, you know, the field ownership. Would you have made any different decisions? And if the answer is no, then what else are you going to do? If you lost all your money that slate, you. You know, got wiped out, dust ball. But I wouldn't change. Okay, well, there's 149 other slates to People keep, keep on you play tomorrow. Well, what happens if he goes I, I I hear this, I hear this all the time. Oh, you're not gonna play that guy? Like yesterday and yesterday showdown slate. I played 16 lineups, I played zero Debo Sam. Okay. Obviously, I didn't get back a single dollar, right? I didn't get back. But people would ask, you know, if I said, oh, I'm not playing any Debo Samuel in my 16-liners tomorrow. You go, well, what happens if he goes off? I go, well, then I lose. <laughs> it's not that complicated of a question, right? I think he's I think he's the most overrun player on the slate, right? And I'm going to play a different construction and not play. It. So I'm playing 16-liners. If I'm playing 100-liners, I probably would have had some of them. So it's like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Oh, well, what happens to me? What happens if he goes nuts? Well, then I lose. Well, what happens if he doesn't? What happens if he gets injured on the first play? Well, then, then have to. I mean, you could think of it in that way also. So you have to get around the. You have to get over the fact, <clears throat> and your focus on just one slate. This is one long game. It's not even. A, it's not even a week to week thing. It's not a month to month thing. It's not even a year to year thing. It's one one long game. That's why you only play a certain percentage of your bankroll per slate. Right? You play a very small percentage bankroll per slate, especially if you're playing GPP, and you play to win first place. You build lineups and you go, okay, I'm, I'm going to most likely lose most of the slates this year. But I'm playing to win one, two, three of them? Top five, you know, in a couple, you know, something something like that? You do that, all the money's up there. Like, Dude, I lose like 90% of the slates that I play in GPP. You know, I've made uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit and profit, even including all the laws. I mean, that's, you don't get that. Yeah. You lose, I'm going to lose a hundred dollars a night over and over and over and over. So I add up all these hundreds, right? I'll add up. I lose a hundred here, a hundred there, a hundred. It was 150 times. That's like, that's, uh, that's $5,000. Yeah. But then you win a hundred thousand dollars once and you're up, you're 95,000 dollars. That's what you're aiming for. Uh, do, do, do. Eric Robertson says, running lineups, trying to, uh, trying to exclude certain guys one by one can help a lot also. Helps you see which players you lose the most projection by fading. It can help with the decisions. Absolutely. That's very similar to what I was doing before with eliminating the lineups in between. It, it, it accomplishes kind of the same thing. It's a blunt way of doing that. Assuming that, the, assuming that your projections are good, right? Assuming that the ownership, everything is good. I mean, I tend to change the ownership projections. Uh, Eric Robertson, is there any way to determine what a player should be owned based on looking at rgb projections and compared to field size are mostly just the, no. nodes it's, it's it's going through the process like the blunt, blunt way of eliminating the lineups that you know high projection and and too high ownership low projection and high ownership that's a blunt way the best way to do it is just simulate it if you could simulate the contest with all of the actual lineups then you'd be able to do that with that ac- obviously with accurate player projection that's the, that would be that would be the more that would be the more precise way of doing it. The blunt way is to just run lineups and oh, this this projection is here. This ownership is too high. Get rid of it and see what what players show up. I saw on on, on Sunday that uh, NFL that I was just getting a lot of DeAndre Swift doing it. right instead of getting like Jonathan Taylor or Najee Harris or Austin Eckler. In that like 7K-ish range, Ezekiel Elliott, based on DeAndre Swift being 12% owned and had nearly a similar projection to all of those players. And all those players were like 16 and 18 and 20% owned. Like obviously, Swift is going to show up in a lot of lineups. It's like, you know, I'm I'm sacrificing a half of uh, a quarter point to half a point of projection, and I'm gaining like six to eight percentage points in ownership for for nothing by playing swift over any of those guys so that's that's what it stood out so that's why i played a lot of swift not because of anything else just like in comparison to these players that's based on the numbers that i had project player projections as well as the ownership but i remember but also remember like the ownership like i i changed the ownership i never changed the play i'm I'm never changed the player projections and what's the reason why i changed the ownership because i i i have much better feel than i mean i look around the industry also i mean because it's not just like oh look at rg and like that's oh whatever roto grinder says it's like no well i i could I know what's going on everywhere else, what other people are looking at and going like this guy, you know, we, we have, we, we have him projected at 24% owned. I'm like, now nah, he's going to be more like 32%. Owned. Like, do I know exactly? No, but I know he's going to be higher than 24. So I'm not going to leave it at 24. I'm going to put it at 32. I'm going to look at this, look at this, this guy and go, oh, we have him at 16% owned. It's like, he ain't going to be more than like maybe, maybe six, maybe, maybe six. So I change it. So I change the ownership, typically. But that I can't backtest that. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm estimating at that point. But from my, from my experience in playing DFS, if I were to be able to backtest that, I, I, I think my R-squared of my ownership is better than the entire industry. Because I'm really getting, I'm, I'm getting an aggregate of everything. I mean, essentially it's an, what I'm doing is I'm aggregating and adding adding some subjective bias to it. Because a lot of times the the ownership around the industry doesn't take into account, obviously, contest type. And also, doesn't take into account recency bias as much. Because it really should, because you shouldn't. But human beings do. So anyone in NFL that did well the week before, like it looks all 4% owned. It's like now 8% owned. You go, well, why should he be 8%? Per- he shouldn't be 8% though. All I'm telling you is that if you're playing lower stakes contests, people are gonna look at the box score and it's not, he's not gonna be 4%, he's gonna be 8%. Maybe 10% even, right? So you have to add that in. And then once you add that guy to 10%, you have to take it away from other people, right? Sometimes he would get in a bubble and you go, oh, everyone's everyone's gonna, gonna play neck or whatever that guy in last night's showdown. Like we had him projected at like 33% owned. Around the industry, he was around 30% owned. He came in at like 16. In the large, in the milli, last night in showdown. Yeah, because there's still a lot of casual people that play that are going to look and go, I don't know who this guy is. They don't know that he's going to be running as the third wide receiver. They think OBJ is going to be out there. He played 11 snaps. So sometimes we're in our own bubble and you go, oh, how do people not know this? It's like, no, sometimes you have to adjust it. Like when I was, when I was going through, I, I decreased his projection. When I, before I built my lineups, like Stronick's not gonna be 33% and I put him at like 24 and he came in at 16. So it's like, I didn't go down far enough. Oh. <sighs> Eric Robertson, which RG had an option to set a projection floor. Yeah, I, I, I've I've asked for that also. That's that's probably in the pipeline, right? A projection floor so you could do so you could say basically I want oh, my t- total ownership to be 200 at most, but my projection to be at minimum 235, right? So you're not going to get anything lower than that, right? But I mean, that, that all you have to do is just do it, you know. Without a projection floor, and just eliminate anything that's under the 235. I mean, you just build 300 lineups and then eliminate the bottom, or whatever the hell, Right. But it would be yes, it would be much easier to have that you know that range like that, just for projection. Uh, okay. So uh, I think we covered a lot of stuff today. I thought it would be a shorter show, but then everyone got uh, got all got all chatty in the chat chat. Right. Right. We got, we have smart people here. We have some dumb people, though. Right? We do, I, I, and most, mostly smart people here in the chat. They asking other people questions, right? Jacobs here, right? Robsters here. Nerdy Tenor's not here this morning, but Nate's here. Michael Dompier. We got, we got smart people that show up, right? We don't get that many stupid questions, so I appreciate it. So give me a thummy thumb. Give me a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, notification bell. Uh, we got Grinders Live later today, right? Grinders Live, Crunch Time, something. It's only a three-game slate, so I don't know what, what's going on with the schedule. Wow, well, we got 7.30, 10, and 10.30. Oh, three-game slate tonight, and uh, we'll be going over all of that later. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so tomorrow, uh, I don't know what the hell we'll talk about tomorrow. Three-game slate, can we go over that? They'll probably be a big NBA slate. We'll get some results DB stuff. I'll answer your questions, as always, because that's what I do here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.